Welcome to From Water Into Wine with Mignon Morel, the place where we discuss the practical and supernatural ways of the kingdom of God that are relevant to your life. And now, today's podcast. Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Mignon Morel. Before we get started today, I just wanted to say thank you to everyone who listens to the podcast. Uh, I haven't been able to get back to record one for a while due to being focused on other projects that God's had me doing, working with other ministries. Uh, it's a lot of work here uh, for a very small team, <laughs> very small team. And so uh, we appreciate those who listen and hope this has been a blessing to you. Because it's a lot of work and such, um, I'm going to ask that if you listen to the podcast and it's been a blessing to you, would you please pray for this podcast to reach those who actually need to hear it? We have people who listen from all over the world and uh, your prayers are what we really need. I know that God um, has called us to do this in this season to help those he's called to raise, be raised up in their own ministries in their life. So I just want to say, please be praying for this podcast to get out where it needs to go. I would really appreciate that. So today we're going to talk about wisdom, something that the body of Christ desperately needs wisdom and becoming a wise one. So first, let's talk a little bit about what is wisdom. Proverbs 3, 13 says, Blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding, for she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. Those who hold fast will be blessed. So what is wisdom? Knowledge and wisdom often work together in a person's life, but they are actually very different. Knowledge is knowing what is occurring at a time. What is occurring? But wisdom is knowing what to do about it. In other words, wisdom is knowing how to apply the knowledge that you have received. Worldly wisdom and godly wisdom are not the same. And I want to say something here. Not everyone has wisdom. Many folks have a little bit of knowledge. They kind of know a little bit about a lot of things. In fact, they typically know just enough to be dangerous and at times prideful. And that's nothing new. The enemy has a lot of knowledge, but he lacks wisdom. If he had wisdom, he would not have killed Jesus, as it says in 1 Corinthians 2.8. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So Satan knew that the Messiah was coming. That is knowledge. But he did not have any wisdom on what to do with that knowledge. So he just kept using the same tired old worldly strategy of killing everyone he suspected. And it cost him everything. Okay. Now Webster's Dictionary defines wisdom as the ability to judge correctly. But I want to give you a better definition of godly wisdom. This is Mignon's definition of godly wisdom. 
Godly wisdom is God giving us the blueprint and strategy that lines up with his perfect will that we then apply to ourselves, others, and the situations we are facing for his desired outcome. Let me paint a picture for you that I think will help us understand how important wisdom really is in your life. Uh, Proverbs 9 verse 10 tells us what the foundation of wisdom's house is in our life. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So look at wisdom like it's an architect with blueprints that knows exactly how to build your life. Wisdom puts plans of God in their right place in the right time and in the right season of your life. It builds the city laid out according to God's perfect design, and it sees the structures, like what's beneath, and how things should go together for the right outcome. Scripture says that wisdom was there when God laid the foundations of the world. By wisdom, the Lord laid the earth's foundations. By understanding, he set the heavens in place. For the Christian, wisdom is Jesus Christ. And he is the source of all wisdom in our lives. Colossians 2.3 says, My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding, in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. 1 Corinthians 1.30 So we see for the Christian that wisdom is Jesus Christ. and He is the source of all the wisdom in our life. Now, we are renewed in our lives and in our minds by the application of the wisdom and knowledge, not just by reading words of knowledge itself. Let me give you an example of how wisdom and knowledge are supposed to be working together in our lives, especially as believers. Okay, remember I said earlier that knowledge is knowing about something. I used to do, and still do to some extent, a lot of healing and deliverance with people. So knowledge would, for me, would look like knowing what is oppressing a person, like this is a spirit of this, okay? Um, But wisdom is actually knowing what to do about what is oppressing that person. So let's say a person comes in and they had uh, a spirit of depression. Let's just use that as an example. So the knowledge is for me to know, okay, this is a spirit of depression that's afflicting this person. Wisdom is me going to God saying, Lord, what do you want to do about this? And how do you want to handle it? And the Lord would usually tell me, well, this spirit came in at this point in this person's life because of X, Y, Z. And this is what you need to pray and help them do in order to get it out of there. So that's an example of knowledge and wisdom working together. Another example of it working together would be in normal everyday interactions of life. For instance, you know, I used to handle a lot of investments back in the day. And I would ask the Lord, you know, what is the right thing to invest in? And the Lord would tell me, choose this stock because this is what's going to happen with this company. I'll give you an example. At one point, he told me to invest in Etsy and he told me, invest in Etsy because it's about to go up. It's going to go up for this long before it starts to fall. 
So the knowledge was, yes, invest in this, but the wisdom was only stay in it until this point and then you need to get out. So that's an example of how in my own life, God, wisdom and knowledge is used together. And there's many more examples, uh, I'm sure, in your own life as well, okay? But the point is, they're meant to be used. The knowledge does me no good if I don't have the wisdom on how to use it. And that wisdom always, always comes from God. Now, there is something called the seven pillars of wisdom, and this is found in the book of James. These are good foundational things to remember when deciphering if what you are receiving is true wisdom from God. Now, again, the first foundation is in Proverbs 9, verse 10. It tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So that fear means the awe of the Lord, the reverent awe. In other words, submitting yourselves to him and worshiping him is the beginning of wisdom. Okay, now James 3.17 goes on to describe what are called the seven pillars of wisdom that God gives. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure, undefiled. Then it is peace-loving, courteous, gentle. It is willing to yield to reason, full of compassion and good fruits. It is wholehearted and straightforward, impartial, and free from doubts, wavering, and insincerity. So the first pillar, it says, but the wisdom from above is first, first of all, pure and undefiled. In other words, there are no ulterior motives. It is holy and it makes God's holiness and spirit a priority in our lives. That's the first thing. Second, it says, then true wisdom is peace loving. This means its goal is peace or to be peaceful and get along with others. It seeks the best for the other person in peace. That's what true wisdom looks like. The third pillar is it is courteous. It is gentle when given. It's considerate. It's not pushy. It considers the ramifications of actually what it's been sharing. The fourth pillar is that true wisdom is willing and able to yield to reason. Or rather, you could say it is reasonable and can be dealt with reasonably. It's not just uh, religious-oriented that pushes itself upon other people. The fifth pillar is that true wisdom is always full of compassion and has uh, good fruit. That good fruit will typically always... uh, result in blessing for the person that actually abides by the wisdom because God is a blessing God. So it's full of compassion and has good fruit. The sixth pillar is true wisdom is sincere. It's not two-faced. There's no hypocrisy in it. There's no underlying agenda uh, uh, to get one's way or to cause issues. So true wisdom has sincerity. And the seventh pillar is that true wisdom is impartial. So these seven pillars of wisdom will help you function better in being what I like to call a wise one. When you get the information and you're trying to apply it, Lord, is this wisdom from you? Go back and look at this. this, Does this actually match what James talks about? In James 3, 17, 18, it'll help you learn how to steward the wisdom that God is giving you for yourself as well as for others.
Now, something else I want to say here is that wisdom, real godly wisdom, always has a cost to it. And by that, I mean becoming a person who is a wise one has a cost. Proverbs 4, 7, 9 says this, The beginning of wisdom is this, Get wisdom, though it costs you all you have. Get understanding. Cherish her and she will exalt you. Embrace her and she will honor you. She will give you a garland of grace to your head and present you with a glorious crown. Now we know that we only get crowns as a reward. Becoming a wise person often has a cost. And that cost is typically paid through experiences of pain and growth and understanding that the revelation that God is giving you is released over your life. So a lot of times what we learn, that's why we always talk about people who are older tend to have more wisdom than people who are younger because they've lived longer and they have paid the cost of their experiences to know what is good and what isn't. So real wisdom, even according to scripture, always has a cost, but it's a cost that can be paid by grace with God's grace in your life as you learn and grow. Now, I want to give you some good scriptural examples of wisdom working. And one of them is one of my favorite characters uh, in the Bible. Remember, all the people that we read about in the Bible were actually real. Her name is Abigail. And I don't know if many of you know her story, so I'm going to read a little bit of it. Because I think she exemplifies godly wisdom, especially when godly wisdom is used uh, in trying and difficult situations. She actually uh, was married to a man named Nabal who was not a good person. What happened in the story, and then I'll read the scripture, is that David had been out on one of his many jaunts from having to deal with hiding from Saul and uh, with his men. And he was out in the fields and he had actually been watching over to keep safe some shepherds and their sheep who were in this section of the land where he was. And uh, these shepherds actually belonged uh, under a man named Nabal. So David had gone and sent messengers to Nabal to ask for food because, of course, they were out hiding from Saul and mentioned at that time that he had watched over the shepherds where Nabal who was not a very wise person and was a drunkard, responded, no, I'm not giving him anything. Who is he? And really upset David, really, really upset David. So David made a decision at that point with his men that they were going to march over to where Nabal was and kill Nabal and all living relatives as revenge, because that's what they did. So the story picks up here. One of the servants told Abigail, Nabal's wife, David sent messengers from the wilderness to give our master his greetings, but he hurled insults at them. Yet these men were very good to us in the field. Now please think it over and see what you can do, because disaster is hanging over our master and his whole household. He is such a wicked man that no one can talk to him. Abigail acted quickly. She took 200 loaves of bread, skins of wine, five dressed sheep, roasted grain, hundreds of cakes of raisins, and pressed figs, and loaded them on donkeys. She then told her servants, Go on ahead, and I'll follow you. But she did not tell her husband Nabal. As she came riding her donkey into the mountain ravine, there were David and his men descending toward her. She quickly met them. When she saw David, she got off her donkey and bowed before David with her face to the ground. She fell at his feet and said, Pardon your servant, my lord, and let me speak to you. Hear what your servant has to say. 
Please pay no attention, my lord, to that wicked man Nabal. He is just like his name. His name means fool, and folly goes with him. As for me, your servant, I did not see the men my lord sent. And now, my lord, as surely as the Lord your God lives, and as you live, since the Lord has kept you from bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hands, may your enemies and all who intent on harming my lord be like Nabal. And let this gift, which your servant has brought to my lord, be given to the men who follow you. Please forgive your servant's presumption. The Lord your God will certainly make a lasting dynasty for my Lord because you fight the Lord's battles and no wrongdoing will be found in you as long as you live, even though someone is pursuing you to take your life. The life of my Lord will be bound securely in the bundle of the living by the Lord your God, but the lives of your enemies he will hurl away as from the pocket of a sling. When the Lord has fulfilled for my Lord every good thing he promised concerning him and has appointed him ruler over Israel, my Lord will not have on his conscience the staggering burden of needless bloodshed or of having allowed himself or avenged himself. And when the Lord your God has brought my Lord's success, remember your servant. David said to Abigail, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent you to meet me today. May you be blessed for your wisdom and for keeping me from bloodshed this day and from avenging myself with my own hands. Then David accepted from her hand which she had brought him and said, Go home in peace. I have heard your words and granted your request. So that's a long story, but I give it and share it with you to show a, a principle. Abigail used wisdom. She went to God. She knew how to immediately access the wisdom of God to go out because she knew the damage that could be caused. She's a great example of how God can give us great wisdom to deflate the enemy's power in our life, to deflate the negative that comes against us. So that's a good example. And I encourage you to read her story as it went on. Just so you know, Nabal died that night. God took him out and later David ended up marrying Abigail and she was known as a great counselor of wisdom for him. Another uh, example, the course that everybody knows about in scripture is Solomon. But I want to say something about Solomon because there's a real important line in scripture where it talks about that Solomon was known for his wisdom. God gave him wisdom, as we all know, uh, as a gift to help rule the people. But there's a line in scripture that says that Solomon was actually became very soulish with worldly wisdom through defilement because his heart was not for God. His heart, it said, was not for God. Therefore, in his later years, his wisdom waned greatly. As believers, the first foundation, as I said earlier, is that we need to have the awe of the Lord. We need to have hearts and minds focused on worshiping him, who he is. No wisdom will be of help to you if your heart is not with God. So as you seek wisdom in your walk, I always pray two things for myself. Lord, may I have your holy wisdom, but may I also have a heart that is for you, based in you, so that I can have the best and not end up like Solomon. Scripture says a lot about soulish, worldly wisdom. Um, and here's a good one. Who is there among you who is wise and intelligent? Then let him by his noble living show forth his good works with humility, which is the proper attribute of true wisdom. 
But if you have bitter jealousy, envy, and contention, or selfish ambition in your hearts, do not pride yourselves on it and thus be in defiance of and false to the truth. This superficial wisdom is not such as comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and even devilish. So we see there that there is a way that you can have soulish wisdom and scripture talks about it. And we saw a little bit, like I said, with Solomon about what that looks like. Now let's talk a little bit about the blessings here briefly of being wise. First, wisdom is a good defense. It saves us from long-term pain. Ecclesiastes 7.12 says, For wisdom is a defense, even as money is a defense. But the excellency of knowledge is that wisdom shields and preserves the life of him who has it. So that's one. Wisdom brings strength. Ecclesiastes 7.19 True wisdom is a strength to the wise men, more than 10 rulers of valiant generals who are in the city. So wisdom can bring you strength as well. Wisdom also helps with discernment with people. Proverbs 9, 7. If you reason with an arrogant cynic, you'll get slapped in the face. Confront bad behavior and get a kick in the shins. So don't waste your time on a scoffer. All you'll get for your pain is abuse. But if you correct those who care about life, that's different. They'll love you for it. Skilled living gets its start in wisdom and the fear of God, insight into life from knowing a holy God. It's through Lady Wisdom that your life deepens and the years of your life ripen. Live wisely and wisdom will permeate your life. Mock life and life will mock you. So wisdom helps us learn discernment with others. Wisdom can also lead uh, to wealth in life because it gives you wisdom about how to manage what you have. Proverbs 3, blessed are those who find wisdom and those who gain understanding for she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you can desire can compare with her. So it talks about that she's greater than, but she also helps, as I gave you an example, for you Uh, to live in wealthy ways. And wealth is not just money. Wealth is wealth in all areas of your life, how your health, your mind, your interactions. So when I speak of wealth, I'm speaking in terms of greater than just finances. Wisdom also helps extend your life and give you a long life. Proverbs 3.17, her long life is in her hand and in her hand are riches and honor. She extends your life and you are blessed in that life. Again, so long and healthy life. Wisdom also helps you learn how to walk and how to have a life full of peace. Proverbs 3, again, her ways are pleasant ways and all her paths are peace. Basically, it says here that wisdom, when we take hold of wisdom, we will be blessed. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. Those who hold her fast will be blessed. Now, in short, we are admonished in scripture to live wise lives, to become what I like to call wise ones. Ephesians 5, 15 says, so be careful in how you live, not being like those with no understanding, but live honorably with true wisdom, for we are living in evil times. Take full advantage of every day as you spend your life on his purposes. Now, I want to say something here. 
before I close, you know, we live in a time when real wisdom, godly wisdom is in very short supply, especially in the church. And because of it, the entire world is kind of going down the drain. We need Christians, those who truly know Jesus, to embrace true wisdom by going back to the foundations of where wisdom truly comes from, the fear and awe of God. Uh, from him, from Jesus. Remember I said earlier, in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and understanding. We need to stop our pre-programmed approach to life in the church and truly start to seek the Lord for his wisdom so that we can learn how to navigate life well in our current times. We need to have real wisdom because the enemy is not as stupid as we'd like to think. We need to be as wise as snakes, even as we are as innocent as doves. So the question is, how do we grow in godly wisdom? Well, it's really simple. You ask the Lord for it, and then you believe you will receive it. And then you follow through on what he gives you. James 1.5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. So you ask, so you ask, and you keep asking, and you believe that you will receive it when you need it, and you follow through in what he gives you. I want to close with a prayer of blessing for you because it's my hope that you will start looking at wisdom as something that you desperately cannot live without in your life. We need more wise ones to be raised up in the kingdom. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for your promise that if we ask for wisdom, you will give it to us. I pray for all of my listeners right now that you would begin to just pour out your wisdom on their life. Lord, we seek you with everything because in you are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge and everything we need for our lives. Lord, we come humbly to you asking for the wisdom that we need. I ask you to pour it out upon the listeners and bless them with it in your holy and righteous name. Amen. For more information, podcasts, videos, prophecies, and teachings, simply go to fromwaterintowine.org and follow us on Facebook at The Water Into Wine. This podcast is produced by Media 12 Productions, media12.org.